Welcome to this week's Burson Garage HP HQ podcast. It's also brought to you by the world's wildest car festival, Summonats. That's right, mate. I'm here with my mate Webby, and haven't we got someone special on tonight? We have Jay Benz. I've uh, I've got we got Jeff Haggerty, who was uh, one of the head designers, one of the lead designers at Holden for many many years, and um, I've been thinking about having him on for quite a while. I just had the, the right time. And he will give us a great insight into Holden, design, what went on, and you know, I guess the demise of the whole thing. So I'm really looking forward to the chat with Jeff. And I've never been happier to see you there with a, with a Holden logo behind your website. <laughs> well, see, I've got to put that up because I've actually just, I've just got the book up for Christmas of yep. what's called the final chapter. And it's yep. the whole story of Holden and there's three books. It's just the most awesome a recollection of of Holden, yeah. And because I know you're, I know you're a bit of a Ford guy, but I am. You're an Australian car guy, yeah, and you love it all. It's like me. I love Holden's. Probably, this, you know, it's probably my favourite brand. But I love Ford's. Sounds a bit crazy, but just as much. No. You know, like I really do. No, it is. It's it's just been such a great industry. And look, I'm sure Jeff is just going to give us a great insight to to the the whole Australian car industry in general. Because he's a bit of a Ford guy. He might even tell us about a Mustang he's building. Yeah, and apparently it's going to be really, really cool. So, you know, and he, and he's going to go into detail a lot about you know the processes behind holding behind the scenes and how it all worked and 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 stuff like that. So, all right, don't forget that Rocky Nats. If you haven't got your tickets for the Rocky Nats, make sure you get them because that event is going to be gone. We say this every time, and no, it is. Yeah. And it is because I actually know that uh, I think they'll be cut off next week because yeah. we've actually when I look there, there's twelve, thirteen hundred. We are, we are pretty cool. We've got all the we've got enough unveilers, we've got enough elite cars, and then all the other sections are full. And, uh, street drags, show and shine, bike show, man, a drifting. Man, yeah, it's going to be it's mad. Like, unreal. <laughs> I don't even mean to say mad then. It is gonna no, be it's going to be mad. It's actually going to be mad, Rocky Nats. I cannot wait for that. Absolutely. RockyNats.com.au. If you get confused, you can go to summonats.com.au and you'll find your way there. We want to see it, Rocky Nats. We're all going. It's going to be great. So, not much else to talk about now. We want to get on with this episode because it's a very special one. We'll be back after this. Burson Auto Parts are the best people in the business with over 190 stores Australia-wide and over 850 delivery vehicles to get the parts you need to you. You can expect expert service and advice from the most experienced parts people in the game. There's a $70,000 big brand giveaway and all you need to do is join free at persongarage.com.au. With Haltech, you unlock the power. With everything from universal ECU kits, plug and play kits, to dashes, gauges, merchandise and more. Have a look at this. Oh my gosh. Have a look at that. Buttons. Nice. Haltech.com. That's it. Dot com. All right. How lucky are we? We've got uh, Jeff Haggerty, one of the head designers from Holden over many years. So welcome, Jeff. G'day, Owen. How are you? G'day, I'm Jeff. Jo- G'day, Josh. How are you? Nice to, see- <laughs> nice to be invited on. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Mate, I've been, um, you've been in the back of my mind for quite a few months, so just the, oh, the, the, the timing was right. I didn't make it feel sick or anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, the timing was right. So uh, just we'll get into the whole thing with Holden, but give us a little bit of 
how you actually become a car guy or what was your oh. background? Well, um, I've was born with that gene that I think you two guys probably have, the, the, car, the car gene, which uh, is probably more like an illness than a gene. It, uh, it's cost me a lot of money. I, can I was going to say it's, it's an expensive gene. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But um, so I always wanted to be, um, always wanted to work in cars and, and something to do with either designing or engineering. I wasn't smart enough to be an engineer, but I could draw pretty well. And so uh, I found out about the career, the uh, profession of industrial design, which is styling the exterior bodies. And that was, I thought, gee, that's, that's a bit of me. So I did design school straight out of, out of high school, uh, a place which is now UTS in Sydney. I'm from Sydney. Yep. Yep. And um, then I did a whole lot of product design for a long while, but I always wanted to be in the car industry. And so I... Tried and tried and tried. I was, you know, uh, sort of six months or so of putting my, ringing them up, sending folios down to uh, Ford and Holden and, and also to Toyota back in those days. Although yep. Toyota was pretty small. And um, in the end, in the end, in 1989, so it was, it was a, like about two or three years of trying, I uh, finally got a call from Phil's Moot, said, come down, we'd like to uh, offer you a job. So, I worked there for uh, two years as a contractor and in that time, I, the day I walked in, I just, the smell of the clay, the fact that everybody's just switched on and talking about cars and we're all thinking about what we're going to do, designing surfaces, all this sort of stuff, I just knew that's, that was it. That's what yeah. I had to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. And, and how, old, how old were you then? I was 27, 27. Yeah, okay. So I was a little bit older than some of the other guys um, because I'd I had sort of hadn't gone straight from from graduating into getting a job in the car industry. I'd sort of bummed around doing a lot of product design. Well, not, not bummed around, but I was doing product yeah. design. And I realised that wasn't really what my calling was. So I, I was at Holden's for the two years, 89, 90. Um, they asked me if I wanted to go permanent. And I've learned now never to look a gift horse in the mouth. I was getting paid pretty well as a contractor and, it's around about twice the money you get as a permit. I yeah. said, oh, no, I'll stay as a contractor. And they went, oh, yeah, all right. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> as soon as there was a slight downturn, I got flicked. Yeah. And I realised that, uh, you know, if I, if I hadn't have done that, things would have, well, life would have taken a, a, a totally different turn. It was interesting, though, because um, I was earning all that money but I wasn't paying any tax on it and that was part of the thing that I got. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got into a big hole over and I'd or bought this car that I'd, I'll tell you about later. And so <laughs> it, um, I was ended up with no job, no money, no prospects and a huge tax bill and I went back to Sydney and I was uh, doing, I started doing some illustration work for car magazines. That's I, right. That's when I yeah. first met you. Yeah. That's correct. And I think um, I was doing... Oh, I did stuff for Fast Wars and Rotary. Oh, most of these titles are gone now. Fast Wars and Rotaries, uh, Motor Magazine, Wheels, and, of course, Street Machine. And um, I started doing the expression session for Street Machine and um, right. got a lot of uh, uh, recognition out of that and it was really good. And then um, I also did a thing where I, uh, I put on next every year up in Sydney at the beginning of Eastern Creeks uh, when it was built, they used to have a thing called the Triple Challenge. Yep. And the Triple Challenge was, as you may remember, it hasn't been on for about 20 years or so, but it was a, a three different disciplines. It was drag racing, 
Australian Superbikes and what became Vat Supercars, all, all at Eastern Creek on a Saturday. And it was yeah. just bloody fantastic. It was mm. mad, wasn't it? I loved yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, and I came up with this idea of doing an exhibition there. And I said, I went to the track management. I said, how about, I think it was the Horsley room back in those days. I said, could I put a, a, do a thing? I showed them what I did. And they said, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Come and, and I was going to try and sell these artworks. I did motorbikes. I did uh, MotoGP. It might not have been called MotoGP back then. 500s. I did um, uh, plenty of touring cars, lots of drag cars. Put all these things up on the wall. Didn't sell one. Got everyone coming along. And, like I had all the drivers coming up. I had all the team owners coming up. Oh, that's well, great stuff, mate. Yeah, see you later. <laughs> but the good thing was that about um, oh, maybe a month later, a guy named Rod Hunwick rang me up and said, oh, I hear you, you do a draw. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, you, you draw motorbikes. And I said, oh, yeah, I have been known to. Uh, what do you want me to draw a, a bike for? He says, no, I want you to design one. That's right. I, and I, I forgot about this. Yeah. How good well, mate, how that was, was that? Yeah. It was a pretty big part of my life. And I saw yeah. it. I used to go up to his house. He had a, a big mansion up in Dural and I used to do it. We were doing tape drawings on the garage wall. It was, it was all pretty hokey, but it was really cool. And he got, um, he got a guy named Paul Hallam to be the engineering input. Paul Hallam was a, um, a second-generation bike engineer. His father had been worked for uh, Repco Brabham. And it was all getting really good. And then Paul, uh, Rod said to me, I think you better come work for me full-time. So, yeah. Cool. So I did that. Um, that sort of project waxed and waned. Paul and Rod had a bit of a falling out. I ended up leaving because I got glandular fever and I met my, I don't know, I met my wife or I got glandular fever. <laughs> One of the two. <laughs> and um, she, uh, we, uh, I got a job back down here at, in Melbourne. Um, Jeff, Jeff, just, just for a minute there, what you didn't mention was that actually bike, it went from design, they actually built a couple of those bikes. Oh, yes. And they yeah, actually well, raced them and everything. That was a really cool that, bike. Yes, yeah. that's, that's correct. Yes, it was it was raced. And, but that was part of the problem, you see. We put the cart a bit before the horse. I, I had a fair bit to do with the styling of the race bike, but I was sort of saying, hey, wait a minute, shouldn't we be trying to do road bikes here because that's how we're going to make money? Mm. And uh, no, I said, oh, we'll get lots of publicity from doing the race bike. Anyway. I left. I was working down in Melbourne. Um, the whole, that project I thought had died and I was working down in Melbourne for EDAG and um, I, through, the con- through the magazine contact, Steve Nelly, who was the editor of uh, Auto Action at the time, mm-hmm. rang me up and said, oh, can you design a trophy for, we're going to do a, a reader's survey for the best V8 supercar driver, like a, um, uh, a reader's nominated best V8 supercar driver for the first, first V8 supercar thing in 1999 they had the, the big presentation down here at crown and so he said i want to do a really big splash for auto action can you design the trophy so we designed a i designed a, a v8 supercar and i said how are we going to make this he said oh we'll get harrop engineering to machine it up they've got some pretty cool cnc stuff i said great yeah let's uh, i'm happy to be involved with that so i went up he said you should come up to harrop's and meet ronnie and i said yeah okay so i went up there and talking to ron and I bumped into a guy that I knew from the bike project. And I said, what, Simon, what are you doing here? He says, Jeff, what are you doing here? And I said, <laughs> and he said, oh, the bike project's back on. And Ronnie's standing next to me said, hey, I thought all this was top secret. I designed it. I designed it. And he said, he, he's, the, he's the designer, pointing at me. And Ron's going, what? And I said, what's happening? He said, the bike project's back on. Harrop's and the new engineering input. I'll give Rod a call, and next thing you know, I'd move back to Sydney, and I was working on that for another 18 months. Wow. And that 
project got, we built four prototypes. We built some static models. We had a whole lot. I think I got you involved in trying to get yeah. the painting. We did. Yeah. And it was really about to break really wide open. We, we took the bike to the US and showed it at a big um, uh, trade show there and the Yanks loved it. it was, that's where our main market was going to be. It was going to be really exciting. And it was a big cruiser this time. It's called the Phantom 1500. I even designed the. I even worked on the patterns for the for the old school timber patterns for the engines because the engine was all bespoke. Mm. Um, not that I was a pattern maker, but I just I would do anything if they asked me to. They said, "Oh, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that?" And so we're doing 80, 100 hour weeks, all of us. So it was a big job. Anyway, and then I think I think nine eleven happened, and suddenly all the investment dried up, and. Um, Suddenly, I was out of a job again with two two new babies, um, <laughs> not looking too healthy. And out of the blue, well, sort of out of the blue, I had always kept in contact with them. But uh, Simcoe rang me up from Holden's and said, yeah. um, "Do you want to come back and work here?" And, and that was about the, that thank was about you, God. <laughs> <laughs> that was about the time of the Monaro, wasn't it? Well, I was brought in to work on the SSX show car, and as soon as I got there, I must have robbed rubbed Max, who was the designer of the VY. I must have rubbed him by the wrong way because they took it off me straight away. And they said, oh, I said, well, what, what do you want me to do? And they said, um, and then suddenly the GTO happened. And That's they right. said, well, get, and they flicked the GTO to me. And so I did the, the front-end design, a lot of the interior changes um, to the GTO and then the next model GTO and then the VZ Monaro because the original V2 Monaro had been out for a year, I think, 80 yeah. like yeah, so it was really hot. It was really good. And so it was like, wow, what a great job to come back and do a muscle car because I'm a muscle car guy. That's yeah. exactly – I'm absolutely bona fide an American muscle car guy. Australian muscle cars too. Yeah. But that's the sort of cars I really love. And so to work on something like the GDO for me was just like I couldn't have had a better job. So just on that, Jeff, what, just so people have a bit more of an understanding – Mm. People not necessarily design the whole car. You might do different sections of it. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was involved with they're basically facelifts for the GTO. So we were taking the V2 Monaro. I put a new hot. I put those hood scoops on it. Designed that new front end for it. Uh, wheels, some interior changes, a lot of the graphic stuff. And then with the VZ Monaro, we did a, a change the front end on that as well. That was the second generation Australian car, uh, Monaro. Um, so, yeah, I didn't do – the original car was basically Mike Simcoe and Peter Hughes and Richard Falazzo, both probably – actually, Richard had a lot to do with it. Yeah. He gets sort of downplayed a bit, but Richard did a lot on that. He did yeah. a lot of everything at Holmes because he's a very clever guy. Yeah. Um, but and for, the, for the people that don't know, we'll touch on it later. He yeah. was the main designer with Effigy, wasn't he, Richard? Oh, absolutely. I'll get yeah. to that. I'll get to yeah. that. That's, yeah, yeah. Then, that's the thing. This, the, my time at Holden's was just always pleasurable. I was doing great stuff. So I went from that. To, I did another little show car called the SST, which is like a step-side version of the VZ Ute. That's right. Um, then I did um, the Cross X, the the four-wheel drive ute that we did, the, the, the four-seater, well, yeah, Cross X it was called, Cross yeah. 8. Yeah. Uh, I did the Adventurers and then I did the Mona- uh, the Camaro. So then I was working right. on I wasn't the lead for, designer. For the, for the US. For the US. So what yeah. happened was Hannenberger had been sprouting our, our Zeta platform. Everyone had been saying how good it was. The US had the idea, well, of Simcoe was working in the US at that stage and he had gotten people to do sketches and they did a show car 
of the um, of the next Camaro, and a guy named Sang Up Lee, who was a, a Korean designer who worked in, in Detroit, did the sketch that got picked, and then they said, you know, the best platform to put this on would be a Zeta platform, which was mm. VE Commodore. Now, mm. VE Commodore wasn't out at that stage, so we we were building the 2010 Camaro off the the Zeta platform, which yeah, which wow. wasn't out. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I was I was like uh, seeing up right hand man and and just making sure all the details that we we're trying to get right would be right. So um, headlamps. There was a lot of because this is the one thing about working with General Motors is it's always cost constraints, and so that's always a bit of. Um, that's always a bit of a bugbear, but anyway, it was a great job. And once again, working on another American muscle car, and the most probably the most iconic yeah. Chevrolet you can think of. So yeah, really cool. So, so just on that, Jeff. So if you designed just certain parts, say it was the mm. tail lights or the front, did you actually design it, and then do you do a clay model of it and everything? Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So there's full. There was probably we had two full size clays or three when we did the convertible as well. Uh, so we were doing all sorts of things proving out stuff. So the process is these days that you would do a whole lot of sketches on paper, uh, well, it's usually on the computer these days. Yeah. Uh, we'd print it out, we'd get a theme selected, then we would um, give it to our digital sculptors who would get a rough shape in Alias, which is a program that gets all the surfaces looking pretty cool. Then we'd cut that clay and then we would ha- get our really good clay modellers to work with the designers we'd be both of us would be looking at things like, can you just make that a little bit flatter or a bit rounder or whatever? And we'd hand massage the car to look really good, re-digitise it, then get all the lines really, really straight and perfect in CAD. And then that would be pretty much go to be signed off. Mm-hmm. Uh, that whole process probably takes three or four years. It's not like yeah, it. Wow. And I say it, I say it happens that quickly. We did it with the motor. I did the clay modelling on the motorbike project back and it was just me, and I did it all by hand, but it's only a small little thing. When you're doing great big surfaces like down the side of a car and you want all the highlights to run, and you'd, you'd know about this when you're judging good show cards. It's all about how nice and straight the highlights are. And Absolutely, yes. That sort of stuff. And, of course, if something's brand new, it's got to be perfect. So there's a lot, and that's one of the things that Simcoe was always really good at at Holden's. He had this magnificent eye for detail and getting things to look right from all different angles. You look at something and say, oh, that's fantastic. And then he would walk two steps that way and say, yeah, but it looks a bit shit when you look at this thing. <laughs> and you go, oh, all oh, right. Yeah, oh. yeah you, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you're the boss too, so I better uh, fix that. And so, yeah, it was always this thing of it, 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 there's a lot of tuning of the surface to get it as, as good as we can. And we'd go into the detail. So I'd, when I say I'd do the headlights and tail lamps, it's, the, it's like the whole front end of the car because that car had a, a nose cone. Yes, yes that's and, right. Yeah. We had to do the whole, that was all in, in uh, moulded in polypropylene. So po- we used to call it polywarpolene because it's such horrible yeah. stuff to make a body Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it was a real challenge to do that. And it was one of the first cars that we did with a complete nose cone. And I don't think General Motors want to do nose cones ever again, actually. <laughs> It um, added too much. But one interesting thing there, which a lot of people here listening wouldn't know, is mm-hmm. that uh, so much of that, that Camaro was designed in Australia, come out of Australia. Oh, yeah. Entirely. It was entirely. Like I said, Sangup, who was the designer, who was yeah. the lead designer, he was out here for 18 months working with yeah. us to wow. make sure. Yeah, because we, we, were, we were also the engineering hub for it. 
So wow. all the, all of Holden's engineering did all the engineering for it as well. So that's um, and that, it was. And then one of the things about it was that um, I was recently in the state. Well, recently before COVID, but I was yeah. in the states, and I got for just just with the family. So I hired a Dodge Challenger uh, in LA, a Camaro in Frisco, and then I was in Portland. So we had a Mustang in Portland, and I'm not saying this because I was an ex-GM employee, I was still a GM employee, but the Camaro was the most solid car. It was a convertible too. Yeah. And it was the most solid car, yeah. um, whereas the, the Challenger was a rattle trap and it was only 6,000 miles old. Yeah. It had a heap of poke. It went really well. Yeah. But, um, the, the Camaro was really nice and solid and felt really good and I was, I was proud of that. I thought the, the Australia yeah. did a really good job. It and then the next be, one, yeah. sorry, yeah, the next one wasn't done by us, but um, yeah, it was. It's it's really gratifying, and that's the other reason why I love the car industry is you do something, and so long as it doesn't get killed by the company, <laughs> three or four years later, you see it driving down the road, and you can say, "Yeah, hey, I designed yeah. that." I was going to say, then you see it in a, one of the world's biggest selling movies in Transformers. It's like the lead role, you know, the car. Yeah. It must be in a. It must have been. You'd be sitting back in the yeah, movie theatre thinking, absolutely, mate. oh, my God. Absolutely. And, and I, I've worked on the design of those stripes too. I mean, there wasn't a lot, uh, wasn't a lot of, uh, of input because they said, this is what we want. So I just yeah. executed it. But, I mean, you know, the bumblebee stripe was, was something that had to be done and because that was an iconic stripe, right? So that was like what was on the yeah. 69SS to begin with. So yeah. um, we just dragged it into the 21st century, so to speak. But um, That's, that's yeah. an absolute awesome story that, that people, I'm, I'm sure there would be, very few people would know how much of that car was designed in Australia. And yeah, well, we, we didn't make a secret of it. No. Mm. But I still, I think you're right. I think people don't, yeah. just don't, re- oh, there's always, you know, what Australia's like, tall poppy syndrome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as soon as I finished that job, Richard came to me. He'd always been doing these sketches of an FJ hot rod because, and I think he might have told you this story too, Owen. Richard uh, was spent some time in the US and he worked with Larry Erickson. Yes. Because Larry used to be a Cadillac designer. Yeah. And, of course, Larry did the Cadzilla for uh, for um, ZZ Top. Top. Yeah. And, and Richard, Richard loved that car. He always that loved car. that car. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, but he said, I could do that with an Australian bent. Now, I can, I can remember him showing me pictures back when he first came back, back in 1990 when he first came back from, oh, no, it was not, I'm not sure when it was. Uh, it was a fair while ago. It was like a good 10 years before Effigy was ever even started. Yeah. He was doing sketches saying, how about we could do, I could do, I could do something where we stretch it, FJ and do this. And, and I was always thinking, mate, that's, that's great, but, Holden's never got to <laughs> happen. Yeah. yeah. And lo and behold, next thing you know, he's bought a Corvette. Well, he didn't buy the Corvette. We had this Corvette that was a, a, a pilot build car and we used to, I think, um, chief engineers used to tool around in it for a while and then they said, oh, what are we going to do? We're going to crush it. And Richard just said, no, 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 we'll, we'll have it over in design. And I said, what are you going to do with it? Next thing you know, the body's off it. Effigy. <laughs> and that became the chassis for an effigy. Exactly right. And yeah. so... Um, and that then, so I was his right-hand man on that one, probably because of my street machine contacts. So I got him in contact with Jeff Seddon and got him in contact with you. And yeah. um, we, we, we didn't, we were always fiscally challenged, right? So we never had the dough to really just do this 
the way we wanted. So we had to sort of go capping. It was a bit embarrassing having to go cap. We're the biggest car company in the world back in those days. But, <laughs> Yeah. Could you could you give us some paint, please? I want to get yeah, that. exactly. So I remember all those meetings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but you know, it, it, once again, what a dream job! The, probably the the greatest show car ever to be designed in Australia, and possibly oh, yeah. the, I reckon the, the world. Yeah, one of the best looking ones in the world. Oh, no look, doubt. Look when it went to when it went to the states. It oh yeah, won, won that big award there, and yeah, it won. It got invited to be. It wasn't invited to participate, but it got invited to go to the Autorama in Detroit to be in yeah. in alongside the Riddler cars. Yeah. I mean, not it wasn't not competing, of course, but in yeah. alongside those cars. Yeah. That's the caliber of the thing. Yeah. So it was it was, it was really awesome. Yeah. And it drove really well. <laughs> Sorry. No, I was going to say that, that 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 if you think of any Holden guy will class that as the it's the Halo product, right? The oh, yeah. like it's. It's yeah. such an amazing car that I think I, what I love about it is it, it keeps those classic design, but it somehow still looks modern. Yeah, yeah well, it, that, was, that was Richard's uh, uh, absolute, um, that was exactly what he wanted to do. He, he said, I've got to keep those key things like the grill, the grill and yeah. the badges and yep. some, a couple of things like the wheel design. So the wheels, yep. even though they were 22 inches or something, they are massive. They were still a shape that looked like an original FJ hubcap. Yeah, yeah. And so he, he was wise to all that stuff and the, the dash we did, so we did that dash that looked like an original yeah. FJ, but then it had all the, it had all the whiz-bang technology thrown at it so that it had it just looked awesome. And it was it, the car drove it. I drove it a few times and it was amazing how well it drove. And, yeah. like, we got uh, – we – we had all, all people help. Glenn Rallick, remember Glenn Rallick? He helped yeah. us with the, with the airbags and yeah. it was fantastic, you know. So it was a great job. And we took that to Summonats and that was a really we big... Did. Yeah, we had yeah, a great And Motorex, we had a Motorex. Yes. Wherever that car went, just people were just always just yeah. around it, just two or three deep and Richard just loved talking to him about it, didn't he? he yeah, was, oh, yeah, he could talk. He, like Richard's, Richard's a pretty slick operator and he can talk to <laughs> anybody and... And he's always got a good line of chat, and he's and, and but he but he knows his shit. He really he knows what he's talking about, he and that's he's, really good. He's not an executive that just sits up there and he's in his tower. He's no. he's a do, he's a doer, isn't he? Exactly so, right. So what's happened to all those show cars from Holden? Where are they all hanging out? Okay, they've all been uh, the collection, and there was over sixty cars or around about sixty cars, and we were trying to get a home for all of them. And what's happened is they've been farmed out to various museums around the country. So All right. things like Effigy and I think the GDRX and the Hurricane. I mean, we did, we, when I was at Holdens, we did a complete rest of the Hurricane too. Yeah, what a wow. car that is. Yeah. What an amazing car that is. Yeah. And anyway, those, they went to the National Motor Museum, the one at Birdwood. Oh, good. Some cars have gone up to uh, Echuca. Yeah. Uh, some have gone to the Australian National Museum in Canberra. And I think one or two cars might have gone down to, to, uh, to, to not Terrelgan, Trafalgar, yeah. down, in, down in the uh, southeast Gippsland. Yeah. Uh, so they're all still owned by GM. GM uh, will not sell the cars. They can't be taken out of the country because they're uh, seen as Australia's history. So mm-hmm. there's things like, there's also things like the first millions car, the second millions car, all those sort of cars as well that are part of the collection. Um, mm-hmm. The very last. VF, no. Now, this is the thing. This is what I don't understand. You know how last, yep, last three weeks week. ago, yep, yeah, yep. someone reckons he's got the very last VF. Well, yep. I don't think so. 
There was, a, there was another I like it. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure, but I, I'm pretty sure we had the last beer, which we kept. It's, no, it's, it's up at um, it's over at Birdwood. Mm. So I don't know. I'm not. He might have had the last one that was sold. I think it fetched half, half a million yeah. bucks or something. It did. It that it was did. Yeah. was eight hundred thousand, and the Ute there was only yeah. four of that. That was over a mil. That was a million and fifty thousand. Yeah. And I believe there. I believe it's being raffled off. It's yeah, been. Yeah, I think I might have a go at that raffle. <laughs> so, so, Jeff, another something I want to ask you. So mm. there are so many good people. We've You've talked about Mike Simcoe. You've talked about, obviously, you, Richard, all that. What are all you guys doing? Well, I personally have retired. Um, I was 59 uh, when, when, when it all stopped, and I would have kept going for another uh, five or six years easily. But... Um, an older guy like me is probably not so much of a chance to get a job. Richard's also sort of semi-retired, although he he's, he's, he did this really cool electric Electric bike, bike. With, with Brian Tandy, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's now, it's so cool. Every time he rides it along the beach down here in Melbourne, he gets like a crowd of 20 people around. I mean, you stop at a cafe and they all go, we can I buy one? And yeah. so... Um, who knows, he might be looking at something like that. He's got a few little lines in the fire, so... I'm sure he has. Yeah, he, he's one of these guys that even if he's in semi-retirement, he'll be he'll be trying to fix up something and we'll do something. He, he's also got a little... It's not a... not. Uh, it's a cool car, but it's not my sort of thing. It's, he's got a Fiat 124 Sports Spider. Yeah. So um, he's got one of those he's doing up. Um, my other good mate, Purdy Hughes, uh, the picture behind me, I don't know if you can see. Yep. He does... Um, he does a lot of V8 supercar liveries still. He used to do it a fair bit while he was at Holmes, but now that's his, he's doing that. Plus, he's doing a whole lot of nice uh, artwork prints of all through the history of Holden Motorsport. So he's doing that sort of stuff. He's yeah, right. Holden Motorsport design. A couple, most of the guys have, a lot of the people who were doing the alias and the, and the clay work have gone to Fords. So... There's at least uh, maybe 10 or 12 guys going up, and girls, going up the Ford. But there's, um, not, there's not, nothing left at Holden down at Melbourne no, there. It's, it's gone. gone. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, there's a few people going to Toyota and, yeah, yeah. that's... I was talking that with at the time when sad. the VF, when the VF uh, had just reached the Series 2 and a friend of mine, a car journal guy, and I was doing some car journal stuff at the time, I drove the VF SS Series 2, yeah, and I... That was a world-class car at the time, like that was like even when the VF first came out, that was such a good car. Well, yeah, such a I, good car compared I, to the other stuff. I know exactly what you're saying. I bought one. Um, yeah, yeah. I liked it so well, I had a fair bit to do with the last one, and um, yeah, I every time I drive it, I, it puts a smile on the face. Um, yeah. mm. It's it's a look, but the thing is, the world's changing. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, this electric car thing, whether that's actually what will be the future, I don't know. Mm. But it's not so much just electric cars. It's the fact that people don't buy sedans anymore and that was the only car we could make profitably here in Australia. Well, um, I, I couldn't believe uh, year before last, I was in the States and Ford, their whole new range, no sedan. No sedan, yeah. Everything, like, I was just stunned. Absolutely yeah. stunned, yeah. And I'm... I don't know about you, but I don't like driving issues. I hate being up high. I want no, a car that's as low as possible to the ground, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but so we didn't touch on something there, so yeah. what about you? You mentioned everybody else. What are you doing? Well, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm retired, semi-retired. No, you're not. But I'm, I, I know you won't be. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, 
I'm working on my own projects, but one of them is my my Mustang that I have had since I was first started Holden's. I I bought a six. My dream car was always seven Mustang Fastback, uh, 67, 68. And it was interesting when I uh, I, I was I got this job at Holden's. I suddenly had enough money. I, I raced out and I bought one, and I could have bought a genuine 390 GTA or the car I bought. And I bought the car I bought because <laughs> three, <laughs> always, it's always the way. Yeah. Well, the, no, well, as it turns out, the car I bought, I want because the thing was I wanted to modify it because I've never ever owned a stock standard car in my life. I have always potted the bejesus out of all my cars. <laughs> Even this SS I've drive now is, you know, it's it's lowered, it's got an exhaust and all this sort of stuff. Because I don't drive. If I own the car, it's not going to stay standard. And that's all there is to it. Yep. And I thought, geez, a three ninety. I'd be silly to be cutting that up and doing things to it. So I bought this other thing, which was a, just a, a hairdresser's car, really, but it turned out to be totally rust-free. That was the only good thing about it, awesome. not a speck of rust in it. And um, and I ha- had this conversation with you on a, a number of times. <laughs> I, yes. I used to do the expression session, as you know, and so I was all about, and I used to do, Write, write the stuff in. It was all about planning your project and all about how Correct. you can... <laughs> and, <laughs> how you I, can... and I honk on about it all the time now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's, the way you, that's the way you do it in the car industry. That's the way you do it when you're trying to be professional is you've got to do it as a, a plan. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have a budget. You've got to have a time frame. You've got to have all these things. You've got to get those ducks in a row. And partly because I never had the money because of that tax thing and all that, my plan went out the door but but not only did it go out the door, it went like into orbit. It went to another place altogether. Because I look, here's an example. When I first bought the car, I always it was like a it had a C4 in it, and I was always a manual gearbox guy. So I bought a top loader for it. But then a few years later, I'm going. Everyone they're going going on about new TKO five speed. So oh, I better get a TKO five speed. So I bought a TKO five speed. I end up putting it in another car. I still got the top load or something. Anyway, and then I'm working for Holden's and I'm driving around in six-speed cars all the time. I think, why would I have a five-speed? I've got to have a six-speed. So I bought a T56. <laughs> now I've got a T56 with a um, G-Force dog box conversion. The gearbox is worth more than I paid for the entire car. So, <laughs> And you still haven't got the car finished. And I still, and I still can't drive the place. <laughs> but that's, that, that shows how poorly planned the whole project is. And, um, but, it, it will, um, but the good thing is that now I have the time and I'm lucky. I'm, that's one of the things about I, I retired because I could. I was very, very lucky. I had, after my scare with the tax, I realised I had to really look after my family. So when the shit hit the fan at Holden's, I was very, very lucky in that I'd paid the house off, I had a very good super, I had um, everything in a row so that and yeah. I was getting toward having a good budget for the car. So now I've got A, the time and B, the money and C, the inclination to finish the thing. And so it is going to be finished. It, notwithstanding COVID, we just went into lockdown down here uh, yeah. five, two yeah. hours ago or yeah. in three hours or whatever. Yeah. Um, which slowed me down last year, something chronic. But, um, like, the car's getting – it's got a parallel four-link put in its mini-tub. It's got adjustable roll centre, um, watts linkage. It's got strut front end now. It's got new flat firewall, um, big uh, trans-tunnel for the gearbox, um, full cage. Because the car's going to be road-registered as an M-plate car, and which means I want it 
I don't want a trailer queen. I don't want to have to drive it to events or, or a, a trailer to events. Event. Yeah. I want to be able to drive it to an event or even drive it to a show. I want to, I'll be happy to show the car, not for all its life because it's going to get stone chips, but the idea is that I want the thing to be a driving car. And so it's going to be M plate registered. My engineer said, well, the easiest way to do that with all these modifications you've got is to actually get a CAMS logbook. So it's actually going to be CAMS logbooked as a tarmac rally car. Yeah, right. So, so yeah. You, you just better be careful what you say because now I'm going to hold you to a date and I'm going to get you to either a Motorex or a Summonats, all right? So, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, no, no, I need that kind of I need that kick up, I need that kind of kick up the date, mate. I really do. I'm, on your, I'm going to be on your case after this. <laughs> no, Maybe please we'll do it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he's, he's, he's kicking everybody constantly. That's yeah. all right. No, um, but so yeah, it's it's like I had this plan to have it finished by my 60th birthday, which is this year, but COVID kind of stopped that. So I'm hoping it's going to be next 61st. year. 61st. Yep, 61st, yep, July and we'll, next year. And we'll, and we'll work on Motor X. We'll get around yep. Motor X, all right? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, Awesome. Yeah. So, mate, a, a comment, I, I you made a, little, a couple of comments through that, but something I just wanted to say, I, I just think it's a really poor reflection of so many things that Australia doesn't have a car industry in general, but mm. just Holden in particular, it's such a, I guess I'm a, look, I like all cars, but, you think that Holden was just such a part of Australian fabric. It's it's really sad, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's more than sad, but you're absolutely right. It's tragic is the word. Yeah. yeah. And and look, it's um I guess it's a reflection of the fact that the whole company was never owned by Australians. It was always owned by overseas money. So when we did well, they didn't even care about us. They were saying, Yeah, just keep the money coming in. When we started the cost of money, we were we were always under the microscope, what are you guys doing down there? You know, what's this? Mm. And we knew we knew things were going really bad when they sold Opal because we we obviously we stopped making any any products here in Australia. I shouldn't call them products. I hate that. It's not products; they're cars. For Christ's sake, yeah. they stopped making cars in Australia, and and then it was we were going to use the Opal vehicles, and we're saying, well, oh yeah, they're pretty good cars. I don't know if they're really going to do that well for us. But then suddenly they sold Opal. And um, we're all looking at each other going, what are we going to sell? This mm. right-hand drive, we're the, about mm. the only right-hand drive thing. And next, at that stage, we still had the Colorado truck, which was actually doing reasonably well for us. So I did a, mm. a, a Colorado show truck too, which was, it was really well received. And, um, you know, we, we had great plans for it. I was working on new stuff for the next model Colorado right up until the day they made the announcement. So it's, it's, it's a fallacy for people to say, oh, we always knew we were going to close. We did not know that. No. The mothership might have had, the mothership might have known that, but they didn't tell us. Mm. We were always expecting, we weren't quite, we, look, we could see things were going wrong. You didn't have to be a, a, a rocket scientist to work that out. But we, we still wanted to believe and we still wanted to keep working on the product and we were still trying to do things that were going to make the car better, make all our vehicles better. And so... We were spending money doing, working with suppliers, doing all this stuff right up until the Monday that uh, it was announced and just, yeah. Can I ask you a question? You don't, I mean, you don't have to answer it though. Is it, a lot of people say, when it, said at the time that maybe the government should have done a lot more and propped up Holden a lot more because it keeps us so many local jobs and so much stuff to the point, I even seen a comment somewhere that maybe, you know, the government should have bought Holden and sold it off to a private from GM or something just to keep that working. Is that... Is it, would oh, that have man, been Josh, Josh, you're actually sort of nailing the hammer on the head there. 
um, what it is true um, that no car industry anywhere in the world survives without government support in one way or another, whether it's tariffs, whether it's direct funds into it. And this is all getting political. I don't want to get political. Yeah, but, yeah. Mm. but because I'm not a political guy. The, pro- the thing was that, like I said, the world is changing and it's also the fact that to compete with the likes of China or Korea or all those things, mm-hmm. we had to do things that the government would have to put even more money in. Now, mm-hmm. yes, the government could, in my opinion, should have, but people saying, well, there's other things that needed to be helped as well. There's other, you know, it's not just the car industry. The thing about the car industry, what people don't realise is the yeah. skills involved. There's, apart yeah. from just us guys in design, there's all the engineering there's the, the ability to make, to have giant, well, like we had the biggest presses in the Southern Hemisphere in, yeah. in, in Adelaide, right? We could press one piece body side of a ute, a long wheelbase ute. We could press that all in one piece. Mm. Nobody, else could, nobody else could do that. that. Why do you think America makes two-piece utes? Because they couldn't be bothered making a press that big. Yeah. Um, and we, we did it because that was, we saw that it was an intrinsic value that we, we wanted our, our ute to be a one-piece body side. Um, we did all that sort of stuff, and now it's all gone. Those presses have gone to China, um, and half the half the brain power has either gone to other companies or gone to China or to the US. So, but the other thing, which uh, again, which people didn't realise, Jeff, it, there might have been X amount of jobs at Holden, but there was just as many jobs as outside suppliers, the glass oh, suppliers, a- the, the wheel suppliers, the foundries, the all those other people, weren't there? The batch yep. makers. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, no. I, Badge Company was uh, it was a place in Sydney called. Um, yep, I can't um, even remember the no, name. I can't, I can't, I've got it on tip of my tongue too. But yeah. yeah, but they're really, really good, and they would do all sorts of stuff for us. And we kept I don't know how many staff they would have. We kept fifty guys there working. The whole industry yeah. keeps these people going, yeah. and all these little companies contribute to mm. an industry. And it's but it's mm. not just that. It's the guy. It's the it's the cafe down the road that sells lunches yeah. to all the people that work there, and yeah. all yeah. that sort of stuff. And so. Yeah, it's really sad and it's really, it's the wrong thing. Um, but someone much higher above my pay grade needed to make a better decision than it was made. And, and you know, I think Mary Barra, who, who is the boss of, of GM, she doesn't, she made it pretty clear by her actions. She just didn't really care about us. She, she's, she's got bigger fish to fry and she's just desperate to, to keep her company going, as in GM. GM and globally. I'm, yeah, and, and I don't know, I really don't know if I can see a real bro- rosy future for it myself. Like the whole electric car thing, I'm, I know the electric, electric cars are going to happen, mm. but I don't think battery electric cars are the answer. I, I think it's no. got to be a hydrogen fuel cell if it's going to be anything. I do too, yes. But, mm. but, but by the same token, you shouldn't just throw the, baby out of the bath water and stop making internal combustion engines because there's mm. still a lot of life in the internal combustion engines and there's I still think, a lot of advantages. Yeah. I think as a country, and I'm not trying to get political either, but as a country that sits, you know, down the, in the southern hemisphere, you know, alone, you know, water all around us, to not have that level of heavy industry right now in any part of, the, you know, the world, this is probably the heaviest <laughs> thing we've said on this podcast, but to not have that. Yeah, I feel like is is not a great thing for this country. No, well, you're absolutely right. I, you have, I, I was looking at again. I got to try and keep this short, but <laughs> the government should have actually bought Elizabeth, and then you have a look at the association they had with Elon Musk to build that big battery. 
that yeah. place should be turning out electrical components for cars or electric cars or whatever. Yep. To me, it's yep. a no-brainer, but it's yep. just, nobody had the foresight. It's crazy. It, yeah, and it's all and it's all people get saying, oh, well, the unions killed it. Well, the unions didn't kill it. It was just there was a there was basically the unless there was a lot of money injected from the government, the GM were looking for an excuse to say, well, let's get out of here. And yeah. unfortunately, that was it. And well, it's I, you know, yeah. it's just sad. I'd, I'd like to ask something, 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 a uh, bit, bit change of topic, just quickly, mm-hmm. Jeff. Some of the some of the cars that you would have had access to, like at Lang Lang and stuff. What's some cool stuff that you've probably driven around the track? Like, no doubt you do to design, but you want to drive them too. Well, yeah. I can remember when I first started there and I went down to a test day when we were doing the GTO and there was a whole lot of American engineers and we had a we had an old, an F-body uh, Firebird, which was had the, the last of the Firebirds with an LS1 in it, and there was a Corvette and I drove the Corvette and I didn't realise that we were speed limited that day. <laughs> and I went round, absolutely tapped out round the round the, the loop. Uh, it was the fastest I've ever driven a car. I actually won't say in case someone's listening. But I was going as fast as it would go, and I was really impressed. The thing really tracked straight. You had to put lock on because the the way the uh, loop set up at, at at Lang Lang is three lanes, and it's um, sixty miles an hour. You can on the low lane, you can take your hands off the wheel, and the car will track dead straight. 80 miles an hour for the next lane and 100 miles an hour for the top wow. groove. And I was in the top groove with lock on, gritting my teeth going, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that was pretty cool. Um, drove the last of the unspeed limited VZ. It was the unspeed limited VZs because after VZ, our cars were all speed limited to 250 Ks. Right. And um, I don't know. I, no, they sort of slipped that in. They never told anybody. Um, yeah. But that. The VZSS, which is the first of the LS cars, uh, or se- no, second run of the LS cars, but that was the fastest I think Holden actually sold to the public. HSV probably sold faster cars because they were on speed limit. And that was pretty good and it handled really well the VZ and I remember going around the right and handling track thinking that was pretty cool. Uh, I drove a Mustang down there, one of the, the, not the current model, but the model before, the SN95s, were they? I'm not yep. sure. That was pretty good. Um, didn't have a lot of poke, I didn't think, compared to an LS because um, that was the first of the – no, that was the last of the Coy- – um, not Coyotes, so the modular motor. Yep. And I wasn't really impressed with the modular motor. I think the Coyote's a lot better. It's a great um, motor, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, look, so, yeah, there are a couple of things like that and we, we always had a little sport. We had um, – well, I drove – as I said, I drove the Effigy around there. Yeah. I yeah. drove a Hurricane. I drove the Hurricane. Wow. I drove the GDRX. I drove the GDRX wow. so that we had a wow. we had a, a day at Flemington Racecourse, believe it or not, and we had like a little sort of cone set out in the car park down there and we had all the journalists down and it was showing all the myriad of, of show cars we had done over the last X number of years since 1969 and I got to drive the GDRX and that was pretty cool. Didn't drive it that fast. That's really cool. No, just to drive it. Just to <laughs> yeah. say you've driven it is pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. What another lost, uh, another sad lost thing, the GDRX. Just imagine if we could have built that. But That um, would have been cool. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember that the, 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 when we redid the Hurricane, uh, the guy that built the Hurricane engine for us, he got an original 253, one of the first four castings, because the Hurricane was all about trying to showcase the 253 when we first did it. He actually got one of those engines. It was weird. I'm telling you all this because the amount of work that we did was like 
actually doing the car again. Everything about it yeah. was like doing it again. So even though we didn't design it, we were involved with all the, all the stuff. Because like, you guys so re- rebuilt the, the car, right? The rest, we rest, rebuilt full it. restoration, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, in the end, what we did was we, we uh, scanned the body and we redid all the body in alias so that we got it all wow. perfectly beautiful again and, and actually cast all, all new body panels for it. So wow. it's, it's pretty much as it, pretty cool, yeah. I see now in the restoration a lot of cars like um, there's some part, what's the part for XY and XW on that they don't make now it's like the side press part or something like that or but anyway oh. it'd be nice like that all the companies had these presses to yes. some would they've got to be sitting somewhere some yeah, come out and sure. restamp VL Commodore or I mean you know I love VL. Yeah, I, I know what you mean it's like uh, the bit that I'm thinking of that's the most rarest is an HQ Monaro windscreen mouldings. Yeah, you right. cannot get those things for love or money and mm. you need a big press to press the stainless steel to make them. Mm. Now, it's all very good for people to say, oh, you can, um, you can uh, digitally print stuff and I got involved with a fair bit of that um, uh, pretty cool stuff in the last project I did at Holden's but um, you, you can't make stainless steel parts with a, with a printer. Hey, your Holden sign's falling off, mate. I know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's just like Holden. <laughs> It, yes. Yeah, what, I mean, it's not as easy as making a jig <laughs> and they just press it. I'm sure it's really involved. But you need some expensive tooling, unfortunately. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Can I, can I ask one, one last question? Oh, not last sure. question, but just another question. How yeah. close were we to a VF uh, Monaro? A v, VE Monaro even? A VE Monaro. Very close. Um, we did that show car, the Coupe 60, and yeah, yeah. Coupe halfway 60. through that, they just said, no, nah. that was halfway through that it got canned. So wow. we finished the show car and that, that's when they took the decision to make it into a race car and put it on those big slicks and make it look like a race car. didn't have a roll cage in yeah. it, but, excuse me, it, had, it, it wasn't looking like a road car anymore. And um, Pete Hughes so you designed did do that. a concept that was, you did do a con- there was a concept done that yeah. wasn't like a race car. Yeah, yeah, it was going to be, and like there was two versions. There was either going to be a, it, it was going to have a B pillar or it was going to be a pillarless and Wow. When it got knocked on the head, we said, well, we're not going to hold back to the show car, so we'll make it pillarless. Yeah. Um, so, yes, we, were, we, we came pretty close, but we were going to do, we were going to do another cross eight for the, for the VE as well, and we were going to do – because uh, Hannenberger, who was running the company just at the start of VE, was really, really good and really wanted to make a big splash, and he always was pushing us to develop all these different variants of the cars, and so that was really, really fired us along. And then – he left and um, a guy named Danny Mooney took over and it all sort of started to go down the drain. Since. And so things like, oh, we don't have the money to do that. We don't have the money to do that. So, and, geez, a VE coupe would have been just awesome. I would love oh, that. I always remember that one that, um, who was it, Brendan Finlay down. Did you yes. remember that car, huh? it, Yeah. Built that, it built that off a ute platform. Yeah. And, and then that uh, it, it was a killer-looking thing. It still did is. It have, did it have glass? Did yes. it have all side glass? In the end, it did. It didn't when we first unveiled it, but in the end, it right. did. Yeah. No, he, he did a great job of that. Yeah. He did an awesome job of that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it would have, there were so many things that we could have spun off that. You know, we were going to do an SUV version of it like Ford did with the Territory, but um, yeah. that, that wasn't to be either. So. I, I think I've mentioned to you, and, I, oh, man, I sound like I'm, I'm down in the doldrums, and I just, all these stories are just where we are, but... When I spent a lot of time in the States, as you know, Jeff, and yep. so many people just loved that Pontiac, the GDO, the Pontiac. Yes, just can't okay. believe what a great vehicle that was. And then, but they even had them for NASCARs. Yeah. For yeah. people who might not might be yeah. listening, you might not know, that was the, 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 the 
the Monaro, like the 2001 Monaro, but yeah. done as with a Pontiac front end, all changed for the American market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they every time I'd go over there, they just people would just rave about that car. And like I was just saying, they ended up as the NASCAR. GM yeah, well, product. The, yeah, and that was look. One of the things about all that was uh, we were, it was kind of set up to fail by GM because what they had there was a, a strict rule on fuel consumption for the entire fleet, and they GM makes all their money out of selling great big trucks with seven, yeah. you know, 454s or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Duramax, Duramax diesels. Duramax yeah. diesels. Yeah. And they used heaps and heaps of juice. And so yeah. they didn't want to actually be selling another sedan-sized car that was going to lower their corporate uh, fuel consumption level. And we said, well, just take the V6. And they say, oh, the V6, no. Well, you know, why would you do a V6? If you're going to do it, you've got to do the V8. We can say the V6 is pretty good too. Yeah, and, absolutely. V6 um, Mustangs are very popular in America. Yeah, yeah. It was so. I kind of think they sort of set us up to fail a little bit on that. I really do. And they just didn't want. They didn't want the competition from another GM branch. You know. Yeah. They oh, wanted to sell as many some, Camaros and Corvettes as they could. They didn't. Yeah. I love the fact that some of the American guys I've seen online have switched them to Monaros and stuff now. Like those front ends yeah, are putting badges on them. And even yeah. with, the, with the VF, the SS, Chevy SS, yeah. uh, I watched a lot of guys, a lot of videos of reviews of that car when it came out over there and they were like, what a machine. <laughs> what, what, they, they really like it because it was one of the things about it is that a lot of them said it wasn't aggressive enough looking. And, but that's also part of its charm that it looked, it blended in. Mm. Mm. But it's like a, it's like a, a wolf. It's it's a classic wolf in sheep's clothing. The thing's yeah. a rocket ship, you yeah. know, and it's fun to drive. It steers and stops and does all that really, really well. And you can make them look pretty angry as well. So yeah, absolutely, I, I, you know, I just, I just think they thought, oh, these bloody Australians with these cars, we we don't <laughs> want that. We don't want them telling us what to do. That's would, you exactly making, what I think. would you stop making great cars with our, with our LS <laughs> yeah, engines? Exactly. <laughs> Look, no, I'm not knocking the cars they made because nothing wrong with a Camaro, nothing yeah. wrong with a, with a Corvette and, yeah. you know, those Cadillacs are awesome, you know, yeah. the CDSBs and yeah. all those sort of things. Yeah. yeah. So I just reckon there was room for everybody to, to, to sell a product. So what we were selling was something that was almost as good as a Cadillac. Oh, right. Maybe not almost as good as a Cadillac, but certainly performed as well as a Cadillac. Yeah. For a, Half the money. Now, I guess they sort of thought, oh, hey, wait a minute. That's not a good idea. <laughs> I, rem- I remember at the time feeling a bit upset, though, at the fact that the American Chevy SS had come out with the LS2 straight off the bat, whereas our one came out with the six litre. Well, yeah, that's because they always got, they said, oh, well, what's uh, HSV selling? And yeah, yeah. I wasn't putting LS2s in the HSVs at that stage. So I said, oh, we'll have that then. Uh, oh, right, yeah. <laughs> so um, that was one of the reasons why I bought a VZ, a V. F2 was to me that was a an HSV for holding money because it had an, an LS3 yeah. in it because you know the LS3 was the bread and butter car until the LSA came along. Yeah. One of the problems was for HSV, I believe that, and the reason why they went to LSA was um, there was a Euro six emissions coming along, and the modifications they'd done on the LS3 meant that it wasn't going to comply, okay. and that's yeah. why LSA would comply, but LS3 yeah. wouldn't. And so we, our LSA, our LS3 didn't make as much kilowatts as the HSV one. I think it was to do with the, with the Euro 5 or Euro 6 um, compliance. But, hey, it's yeah. pretty easy to put an exhaust it's and get it retuned. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly but, right. So as, as sad as it all is, mate, the one thing, I think we grew up in a really good era and you look at the, 
We even go yeah. back to, you know, EHs and then the Monaros and Tiranas. Yeah. So we've just got some great vehicles and great memories. And just look now, I wish you, I bet we wish we all had a garage full of 350 Monaros. Oh, or yeah. Or, or, actually, one Tiranas. Or, well, mate, or, uh, you know, X's. I, yeah, an 8 on X is actually what I would, I always liked. 8 on X, HQ Monaro. Yeah. I'd like a, uh, I'd like an XA Superbird Coupe. Yeah. Proper yeah. GT, and I'd like a 340 Charger V55. Yeah. That would be my, that would be the things I'd like. Lately, lately, I've had vision of going to monster trucks with my dad and, and stuff as a kid, and the, them cars get a run over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, what I did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Back then, you're like, yeah. Now you're like, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I just imagine just if you had a, like a, one of those, either one of those Falcons, one of those Charger, one of those Monaros. They're all, they're all like uh, five-figure cars now, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. You, can, yeah. you know, you can't not yeah. buy them. Not yeah. a good one, not a drivable one for less than 100000 yeah. bucks. No. So. All right, mate. So, look, I'd absolutely really thank you for your, um, your, in, your input and uh, I knew, I knew it would be a great interview. And, oh, thanks. It's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. No, it has yeah, thanks for coming on, Jeff. And I'm um, just, I'm in awe of what you've done in your, your career. Actually, it's been awesome. But uh, I'm looking forward to that uh, Mustang and I'm going to hammer you, believe me. Yeah, no, please do. <laughs> please do. I, do, I, I will do, need to keep my mind absolutely on the job. So thanks. No, no thanks for inviting me on, guys. I've, I've had a ball. It's, it's nice to talk about stuff that I love and, uh, and I do love it. Yeah. So, and talk with, with like-minded dudes like yourself who, who get it so yeah, it's good thank you very yeah, much I mean I, I loved going to motor shows back in the days in Sydney and stuff and looking at the I remember seeing the SSX there and yeah. all the cars and I'd love I'd anticipate the fact of going to the Sydney motor show you know because that was my local one obviously and walk yeah. around looking at the fine details of the new Holden concept car or this and yeah. my yeah. kids aren't going to get to witness that we're just going to shove, never shove, never brand, you know, no. shove whatever brand yeah but look uh, the only thing I'd say is my kids, who are both boys, don't even care. Yeah. My kids, who everyone says, I bet your boys are just absolute car nuts. And I said, they haven't even got their licences. They're 19 and 20. They haven't even got their licences. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, wow. So, look, the, the world changes. That's, that's is, all yeah. you can take from it. But there are people out there, there are young guys out there that want to keep keep our keep, keep it alive. dream alive. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, more power to them, I say. Good on you, mate. Perfect. Thanks, Jeff. Thank Thanks very much, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks very much, guys. Take it Cheers. easy. Cheers. Street Machine. If you don't read Street Machine, follow their YouTube channel or visit their website for great content. What are you doing with your life? Nothing. That's what you're doing. For all the latest on all things Street Machine, visit your local newsagent, buy a magazine subscription on their website now. They got all sorts of mad stuff. Turbo taxis, LS-powered MX-5s, and the best street machines Australia has to offer. Do it now. All right, that's another episode in the bag, mate. How good was that? That's crazy. I have hairs on my arms standing up some of those stories. Yeah, look, at, and what's really good about that and, and what I knew Jeff would cover was that there's so many interesting stories there, like how many people would have really known that Australia was so heavily involved with the Camaro? Yeah. Like, and it's such a popular car around the world. Yeah. And we basically designed the whole car and on our platform. Absolutely, and I know Jeff said, did touch on that, the fact that it wasn't a secret and probably a lot of car guys who read a lot of car magazines yeah. or read stuff online at the time 
knew that that was on a Zeta platform. But if you go and ask, say, uh, if I ask my wife, she watches Transformers and stuff with the kids, or she watches yeah. as well. She probably would know if I said that that Bumblebee car. You see that, that car there? That was designed in in Australia. Yeah. You know, like that's a really cool thing that that probably the mainstream public don't don't know. Yeah. And what about some other stories, like some crazy stuff? We got a bit. We even for once on this, we're full of crazy <laughs> crazy lunatics on it usually, but we even got a bit political. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it is as we said there without uh, sort of going over it all. J-Ben's the. It's just such a sad sad story that we we yes. don't have the car industry anymore and. Like Holden is it, like it's. I can't believe you just talk to people that aren't even car people, and they just everybody knows an EH Holden or a, or a Maharo. They just it's just part of the Australian fabric. So it's to quote sad. Jeff. Quote to quote Jeff. Quote unquote. It was tragic. Yeah, tragic. Absolutely, you know. Uh, but it Maybe. is what it is, and we've got the memories. I've got an EH. You've got a VL. So. I've got two, but shh, don't tell everybody. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, mate. Well, don't forget yeah. rockynats.com.au. Go there if you want to come to Rocky Nats, because if you don't go on there and get what you need, we won't see you there. We want to see you there. 100%. Correct. All right, it's mate. Gonna be, it's going to be awesome. All right. That's it for the end of the show. Webs, that, that was a cracking episode, mate. You're a legend. Right. Yeah. Good on you. See you, mate. All right, mate. I'll see you next week.